Okay, we're all in take five. Hook them up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. On a Thursday morning, the weekend starts right now. There is a pro football game tonight. I don't know if it's a very good pro football game. Actually, I know it's not. The Bears will play the Panthers on Thursday night football. Mm. Thanks a lot, NFL. U-G-L-Y. No alibi. That's ugly. I'll be rooting for Taylor Bajant in that game. Mm. The arm wrestling dude's son. I like that story. Uh, but, yeah, we'll talk about that game. Also, uh, Michigan, we'll get to that coming up in our headlines. Michigan responding to the Big Ten. And uh, doing very Michigan things. Also, Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. Uh, off the record this hour, including Rod, there could be the emergence of a new Hollywood power couple. I got details. Oh, I got deets. Nice. Uh, this one's interesting. Also, uh, we're talking to Landry Burdine here coming up. He is the uh, does sideline radio for the TCU Horn Frog. So if you want to know something about this team that we're going to see the Longhorns face on Saturday, Landry has got the uh, the deets on that. The four one one, and Landry's a, a great guy and. Uh, I always enjoy talking to him, whether it's a, a home game with TCU or a road game. Uh, he has been there a long, long time with that program, uh, so a lot to do. Rod, real quick, I mentioned that, you know, would Dave Aranda survive the year? You know, Baylor's 2-4 and four in the Big 12 right now. They lost to Houston last week in that overtime game. Yeah, they ain't pretty. And now they play at K-State, at TCU, and West Virginia. Dang good. That could be a 2-7 and seven run um, to last place in the Big 12. It's not good. I don't know. I'm not sure what that is. But if he were available, that'd be a – if it, Pete Kwiatkowski is indeed on a short list at USC and has ties to the athletic director and knows the West Coast very well, uh, that would be interesting. We'll keep mm-hmm. an eye on that. But uh, Dave Aranda, big time as far as just running a defense. One of the best out there, right, as far as football theorists go and uh, uh, yeah, developing no, Ds? Yeah, they would be a high-level mind. I, I think I think he might get one more shot there at Baylor. They just like, they love his disposition so much. They love, he fits there. Yeah, they love how thoughtful he is as a coach. He does, he does fit there really well. I think they may give him one more year because, I mean, you still he's got a Big 12 title. Now, it wasn't necessarily with his guys. <laughs> right, it's Matt Rule's players, and that's Matt the Rule's problem. Players. The diminishing talent is the biggest yes, problem. because they've regressed as a program since he's been there, right? Well, yeah, the, the, I mean, the further they are from Matt Rule's model, the worse they've gotten pretty much. Yeah, and his, those yeah. Are good. he hasn't replenished, and that's what you like about Sark, right? He he flipped the roster, and the players are – you pretty went quickly. through the numbers of yeah. – you know, the transfers for Texas are even going on and playing well at other schools – uh, they're just recruiting better players, and so the talent level rising at Texas Baylor, other way, yeah. and it's 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 you know it's a talent acquisition. It's, it's, every you can say business. You can say business. business. Yeah, you <laughs> got to bring in players. You can say it, it is. You can now. be the nicest guy in the world yeah, and very is. thoughtful, but you got to bring yeah. in players. And Renault, I mean, it, it, you know, Mac Mac, Mac oh, what's the AD's name? Mac Jones. Mac Rhodes. Mac Rhodes. Mac, Mac Rhodes. Rhodes. The AD. I'm sure he likes him, but you know, he, boosters run programs. I mean, that becomes. Uh, if you're going two and seven, uh, with you know, you want to be one of the powers in the Big 12 when Texas and Oklahoma leave, right? That's kind of your goal. That uh, they are trending in a bad direction, but we'll see. Uh, it's all speculative. Let's get to the headlines. That's not speculative. The news of the morning. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bringing you the top stories. And yeah, how about uh, Michigan? Uh, college football starts us off. Second-ranked Wolverines traveling to 11th-ranked Penn State on Saturday, one of the day's biggest one of the day's biggest games. Yesterday, Michigan officials sent a 10-page letter 
to Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti and warned him about overstepping his authority and rushing to judgment in the investigation into their head coach Jim Harbaugh and the alleged sign-stealing scandal. Letter insisted that Petiti cannot unilaterally discipline Harbaugh under the conference's sportsmanship policy. Letter is Michigan's response to the Big Ten's notification of potential discipline of Harbaugh, which ESPN is reporting could come as soon as today. Wolverines now will wait for Petiti to decide whether to punish them or wait for the NCAA to complete its investigation. Longhorns, of course, headed to Fort Worth to face TCU on Saturday night. Longhorns are a 10-point favorite. But remember, TCU boasts an 8-3 record against the Longhorns since they joined the Big 12. Could be a battle of the backup quarterbacks, or Texas will have Quinn Ewers available. We'll learn more on that coming up with Steve Sarkeesian this morning at his uh, weekly Thursday Zoom media availability. Uh, we know TCU will be going with Josh Hoover, the freshman from Rockwall. We'll talk to Landry Burdine about his uh, talents coming up. College Hoops, Texas women open their regular season with a win last night, a thrashing of Southern 80-35 at Moody Center. Senior Taylor Jones led the way with 19 points and 12 rebounds. All three Texas NBA teams were in action last night. Two of them went down. Spurs went to New York to face the Knicks. Victor Wenbanyama made his debut at Madison Square Garden and didn't go well. Wemby managed just one basket in the first three quarters. Knicks rolled to a 126-105 win. Mavericks took a loss last night in, in, to Toronto, 127-116. How about Houston? The Rockets rolled the Lakers down in Houston, 128-94. And a bit of a surprise from baseball. LA Angels have hired Ron Washington to be their new manager. 71-year-old hasn't managed since resigning as skipper of the Rangers back in September of 2014. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Gobble up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capital Area Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. Uh, Sark will address the media today via his uh, media availability, the Zoom call that he does on Thursdays. No doubt about it, the big topic of the conversation will be who is getting the majority of those First team reps, the re- relevant reps in practice. I think at this point we can put Arch Manning. I don't say if he's out of the discussion, but he's an emergency option at this point. Worst case scenario, something happens to well, Quinn's not ready. Quinn has a setback. Something happens to Malik. Um, so I, I think it's, we're talking about just Malik and Quinn here, and who's getting the majority of those first team reps. And I don't know. Right now, I think I'm leaning toward. I think I'm leaning toward Quinn getting the majority of those first-team reps. And I think we're probably leaning somewhere toward Quinn end up starting that game just because I don't think Sark wants to take a chance. I know Texas is supposed to be a heavy favorite over TCU, but, man, on the road, there's just a lot. There are a lot of factors that we've talked about here that give you pause and may give you a little anxiety. It's a tough call. I mean, it's a tough call for him because I I, I think whatever happens, and we'll learn more from Sark today, but how revealing will he be will be the question. But uh, I'm sure he's pretty coy with it. But how healthy is Quinn? It's really what it's about, right? And, and can Quinn make all the throws? Can he protect himself if something goes goes haywire? Uh, but I do feel like even like an 80 percent Quinn, you feel better with that than even a hundred percent Malik, just because of his inexperience. And this is his first road game. He was making dangerous throws at home, Rod. Yes, he was. Uh, <laughs> yes, he was. Agree. Yeah. Uh, all right. To learn more about this matchup and Josh Hoover and this four and five TCU team, what a difference a year makes for them. Uh, but he's been there through all the ups and downs. He is the color analyst for TCU radio. Now I had him on the sidelines. He's moved up. He's moved nice. up to the pecking order. Uh, he's a great friend of our show. He's our buddy Landry Burdine on the Vaqueros hotline. Landry, LB, how are you, man? Aaron, man, always good to talk to you, brother. It's uh, I've missed you. I've missed you. We normally we do a little pregame talk, and this is good. I feel like the world's kind of coming back around, and 
and it uh, feels normal again, man. I'm doing great. Yeah, nor- normally see you up at Big 12 Media Days, but we didn't make it up to the Big 12 Media Days this year was all that was going on on our radio station. But I uh, hope to catch up soon, and it's good to hear your voice. And uh, uh, tell us about this team. Uh, you, you see every play. I mean, four and five has been a frustrating year with some injuries. Got off to the rough start with the Colorado game, which, you know, you know you, Colorado got all the headlines, but you guys became kind of a national conversation yourselves there for a bad reason. But what is this team with Sonny Dykes? Four and five, but more than the numbers would tell you they're they're better than their record as far as the analytics would say yeah it's been you know i think you got to start with the losses from last year i mean you hate to you hate to do that but when you lose 80 percent of that offense and and really every body that you lost is is playing significant time in the nfl um you know it's not like they're selling insurance now i mean all those guys can play uh and then you lose you know really your key if you look at the defense and the struggles it's it's where the the losses were from last year d winners uh dylan horton you know guys seeing significant time and then he lost the thorpe award winner and travis hodges tomlinson a corner and, and to play this defense well you have to have lockdown corners and they've just been searching for that they've really just been searching for an identity man and that um, you know, I, I could go on a, a pretty long, um, you know, kind of treatise on, on my theories on the transfer portal and how I think it's going to be cyclical. Um, I, I'm not against it by any means, but I think TCU thought they could fill in mass a lot of those spots with portal guys. And I think what you've found is you've got to have a combination of guys that bleed for that place along with guys that come in kind of as mercenaries, and, and you can't rely mainly on that. And I think the Frogs are hurting from that a little bit. Hey, Landry, what are your thoughts about the uh, the play of the young quarterback, Josh Hoover? I like his skill set. He's got a nice, quick release. He's definitely got a strong enough arm. Um, but uh, he's been young and careless with the football at times. Uh, what are your thoughts about Josh Hoover? Is he getting better game to game? Yeah, Rod's a good question. You know, it, it honestly reminds me a lot of, of freshman Andy Dalton, right? When when Dalton came to Austin and played Texas, uh, threw, threw a lot of picks, ill-advised throws, didn't handle pressure well. Uh, that's what you're seeing out of Josh Hoover. Uh, when he's given time, he's really good. I mean, he looks great. He he reminds me actually a lot of Andy Dalton the way he throws the football. So uh, he doesn't rely on his legs as much, and and that has been, I think, a bit of an issue that that TCU's lost that wrinkle of kind of that third weapon from the quarterback position. You know, Max Duggan was either going to run it, he was going to throw it, or he was going to you know figure out some way to to make a play with his legs and scrambling and. Uh, I think the Frogs have to get back to that a little bit. So Josh Hoover is a really high-level quarterback. There's a reason that, that he's, you know, that he had the game he had against BYU. I mean, heck, I think he threw for 500 yards against a decent BYU team. I, I, you know, I, I think history is going to show that they're not great. Uh, but for, for that to be his first outing, it was pretty impressive. The, the problem was people saw the tape and realized BYU wasn't able to get pressure. And, you know, so when he went up to get, against Kansas State and Texas Tech, they brought the house and, and they didn't handle it well. So that's something they're going to have to really adjust for, especially with Texas coming in. Yeah, Texas defensive front's been as good as any. Uh, they have been susceptible, though, Longhorns in the back end uh, to, to the passing game. So if you can protect your young quarterback, um, you know, we know Bailey's the running back, but who are the top receivers? I mean, who are the guys that they, they can really give Texas trouble? They've had, they, Longhorns have really had trouble when, when safeties get caught in coverage and uh, some, of the, some of the injuries back there. Who are the explosive players on the outside for TCU? You know, Aaron, I think that's one of the issues. Uh, the Frogs have not found that guy to take the top off of a defense this year, or nobody's emerged. I mean, there's plenty of options. Uh, John Paul Richardson, you know, transferred in 
from uh, Oklahoma State, uh, Bucky Richardson's kid, and, and he's been phenomenal uh, in a lot of ways. I think he's got almost 500 yards receiving on the year. Uh, but the speed burners are guys like Jalen Robinson, uh, who transferred in from Ole Miss. Dalen Wright, uh, you know, was another guy. I think he's actually going to be injured for this week. Uh, but you've not seen any of those guys really step up and be like, okay, here's the go-to guy, like a Quentin Johnston last year or a Darius Davis or one of those guys that could just burn. Um, and I think part of that is inexperience at quarterback actually getting in the football. So, we just haven't seen that emerge, and that's been one of the biggest issues and the biggest themes, especially in the red zone. I mean, Aaron, you mentioned how how good the stats look and the analytics look. Uh, it's because they do between the 20s. Uh, but the the Frogs' problem has been when they get in the red zone. It's just they have not been able to execute well. And it's not just poor execution. It's It's been mistakes, like just out-and-out out stupid passes and, you know, fumbles and penalties. And as soon as they get in the red zone, it's like they lose their mind. You know, it's like me when I'd sit down for a test when I was in school. I just, I'd, you know, just lose my mind. That's what it looks like with these guys. I mean, they just kind of – you can feel the, the pressure ramp up. And uh, But you know what, man? It's a resilient bunch. And, and uh, this weekend is going to be a new challenge. And, and you know, hopefully they'll, they'll show up a little bit better. And Larry, let's talk about the lines of scrimmage uh, for TCU. Uh, it, it, it seems like obviously last year uh, the lines of scrimmage were definitely a strength for them. I th- they bring back, they brought back their two tackles on the offensive line. Correct? Is are the struggles on the offensive line in the interior for them? Yeah, I think so. You're talking about Andrew Coker and Brandon Coleman coming back, and 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 you know they're both obviously senior leaders. Guys been around for a long time. Coker's a junior, but I you know I could see him going in the draft this year. So. Uh, they moved John Lands over to center. Uh, he was a backup kind of guard, played significant minutes last year. He's been good. Uh, but, yeah, then, you know, they've just been trying to find the right fit. You know, they've been rolling in Willis Patrick, Ben Taylor Woodfield, you know, Marcus Williams. I mean, they're just trying to find that right fit. And i got to tell you guys, I mean, when you're eight, nine games deep into a season and you're still trying to find a fit, that, that tells you a lot. You know, I mean, if, if you're still trying to find the right uh, group to go with, that that's a problem. So, you know, hopefully they've kind of settled in a little bit. I'm not even sure who's going to start at right guard this week. Uh, you know, I'm sure it, a lot of it depends on practice. We, yeah, I, I was not able. I've been in New York all week. I wasn't able to go. Normally, I'll sit in there and watch film on Wednesdays, and that's when I'll get a pretty good idea of what they're going to do. So I'll, I'll be just as surprised as you guys on who rolls out there. This week. <laughs> it is interesting year by year. You mentioned your little. You could go on a rant about the transfer portal, and I know it made headlines that uh, that, that Sonny Dykes brought in, you know, three kids from Alabama and uh, Tommy Brockermeyer and JoJo Earl and and Trey Sanders, and it feels like n- n- all three guys have not been, you know, the impact that, that maybe the headline would indicate they would have been. Yeah, and I think Aaron, to be honest with you, and you know, I, it's not like those guys aren't trying. I mean, they are. I think I think Brockermeyer's been injured. I think JoJo hasn't, you know, they haven't been able to give him the ball. Uh, you know, my, my son's a slot receiver, and I've turned into a receiver dad, right? I'm like, God, just throw my kid the ball, and we'd win every game, right? I mean, that's just how it goes. So, I mean, I get that, right? And and so, you know, it, I think from – I'll go more of just kind of a higher-level perspective on this, I think, Aaron. I, as I've sat there and watched these – the, I think the portal is going to be, and, I, and I'm a portal advocate. I, I don't want to come off like I, I, I don't like it. I think especially for kids that are dealing with family sickness or just homesickness in general or, you know, just any reason why they're like, man, I just want to, I, I just need a new place, right? I, they should be able to do that. But I think when schools are looking at loading their roster um, from, you know, or like primarily from the portal, with a bunch of really what are mercenaries that don't bleed that place. Like that place isn't a part of their soul. 
I think that becomes problematic and, and from the standpoint of the locker room. Not that they don't fit, not that the guys don't like them, but it's just and, – and, Rod, I know you know this too, man. That room, when you've got guys that have been together for four or five years and they care about each other in a place that much – you get what you got last year from TCU football. I mean, every one of those guys yep. was around each other for five years, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. you look at it. And, and so I think that's going to be where I think you see some of that dial back and guys start focusing more on high school recruits. I really do think you're going to start seeing that, uh, you know, maybe not for the Bamas of the world, but, um, you know, for, for the TCUs for sure. Agreed. That's good stuff. That's a good point. What yeah. about the defense? You mentioned pass defense. They haven't been able to play lockdown quarter. Tomlinson was such a big factor. Uh, and just the struggles on that side because we were not sure if it's going to be Quinn Ewers or Malik Murphy for the Longhorns. But, uh, you know, Murphy's had his struggles with uh, with interceptions in his two starts. Uh, let, me see, let me ask you this way. What do you, who do you expect to see at quarterback on Saturday? And uh, uh, how, how can this, this TCU defense flourish against the Longhorn offense? I think if TCU were playing better, Aaron, I think you'd probably see yours. Uh, I think with Malik Murphy, and, and by the way, I, I, he did some things. I was like, whoa, okay, that guy's legit. I got to actually watch the game last weekend, and, um, I mean, he's impressive. So I, 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 we're, I, I'm kind of expecting to see Malik Murphy. Uh, I think he presents a lot of challenges. Uh, I will tell you, Josh Newton, who was, you know, potentially up for the, the Thorpe Award last year alongside Trey Tomlinson, has been just as good. He's been phenomenal. Uh, the, the Frogs have taken a little bit of a step back, uh, you know, at the safety position and at the other corners. So, now, they've been better, and they've been getting um, more guys in. You've seen Channing Canada, who was a Trinity Valley uh, transfer, has gotten more reps lately. He's played really well when he's been given a chance. Uh, Jamel Johnson, Jontae McMillan, all these guys are like second, third stringers that are getting significant time now. Uh and, you know, Avery Helms gotten been the starter, but he's been inconsistent. And so, uh, again, you know, eight, nine games deep, you, you've got a, a unit that's trying to find itself and its identity, and that's that's been problematic. But when they're playing well and they're playing at a high level, they're really good. And so you just don't know what you're going to get. And a lot of it depends on the pressure. Uh, you know, if they're asked to cover guys for a long time, I don't care who you are, it's hard to do. So uh, if, if the Frogs are able to get pressure, that obviously helps the secondary as well. Hey, Landry, you think they make a bowl game this year? Oh, man, the odds are stacked against them, right? I mean, we've got Texas and then Baylor and then at OU. Uh, (laughs) You know, selfishly, I would like it just from an extra practice standpoint, right, going into the the next season. Um, But, yeah, it's a long shot. It it really is. I mean, if you don't don't beat Texas, then then you got your back up against the wall and – uh, right, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah, I no, hey, Landry, you, I, I've got, I've got a brother that lives in Puerto Rico with his family, and we're trying. And at the, all the rest of my family is going down there right after Christmas, right? And my mom is on me about planning and trying to get my family down there, and I have to wait to see what bowl game the frogs are going to play in. And I have not made that trip yet. If that gives you any indication. Yeah, no worries, because I think the last time a team played in a national title game and lost and didn't make a bowl game the following following year, I believe it was us Longhorns. Yeah, in two thousand nine, that's playing for the Natty. Yeah, I thought it was LSU. I thought I actually thought it was uh, Ed Orgeron. LSU. Oh, you may, maybe may you're been. right. Maybe you're right yeah, about it's, that. It it's could one be of those. Right. I knew it was one of the two. It's definitely. But not they won though, right? right? <laughs> didn't they? They won. They won, though, Larry. Yeah. I'm talking about uh, Legend. Some of the guys who lost, like we did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah no, I, got hey. I think you may be right about that. That's kind of a dubious yeah. honor. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, it was a fun run a year ago. You know, year by year now, it's going to be different in college football. Sonny Dykes will get it back cranking and uh, looking forward to that. Hey, Landry, great to hear you, bud. Uh, glad to hear you're doing well. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of hoping you get to go to Puerto Rico. I'll <laughs> uh, have to cover some, some bowl game somewhere. Uh, <laughs> the Idaho Potato Bowl. Or whatever <laughs> yeah, exactly. Should be good. Send you off to Idaho instead. Uh, Landry, thanks, buddy. Great to hear you. I hope to catch up soon. And uh, uh, let's talk. Uh, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep the, the lines open, okay? All right. Y'all boys be good. Good to talk to you. Thanks, right, there he is. There's the man in the booth. He's uh, great. He is great. He's just, you know, he's a football guy. He played at TCU yeah. with Gary Patterson and was a receiver himself. And he, uh, he's really good. Really good at what he does. He needs to. Uh, he needs to go to Puerto Rico. So yeah. Gets, well, gets Texas, he, because they're four and five. <laughs> if, if they lose to Texas and Oklahoma, that's going to guarantee it because they'd only end up. Yeah. With, they could beat but, Baylor and be five and chances seven. Chances are, though, he won't be able to make the plans until the very end of the season because they're going to beat Baylor and lose to Texas, and then you got to wait till yeah. The yeah. Oklahoma games. So. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Puerto Rico, I heard it's not really nice every all times of year, pretty much. You're right about Especially that. Especially now. <laughs> hey, you also heard the scouting report against Josh Hoover. Uh, PK, bring the house. Bring the house. Yes. Give him time. Yep. He'll get you. Um, great, but, I agree with that. I think the conversation about, you know, you, you can't just rely on your down four. You bring some people. Bring some people. Get after the kid. Uh, make him make some throws. And I uh, might throw you a couple, too. Agreed. And they're, they're worse than you in the red zone, if you can believe that, Rod. Uh, there's a team amazing. that you are on your schedule that's worse than you in the red zone. It's, and I, <laughs> exactly. And like I said, they move the ball a lot. If you go look at the stats, we'll go into a little bit later on. And even it, uh, Landry admitted that they move the ball. They just shoot themselves in the foot. And Texas does, too. I will zone. tell you, when Landry, Landry's come on every year before this, I mean, gosh, 11 years now since they've been in the Big 12, and you can tell uh, you know, he's been, like last year he was very optimistic. You could tell. He's like, I, I feel mm-hmm. pretty good about this this game. And this year you can kind of tell he's like, eh. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked him who he thinks is going to start. He said if TCU were playing better, maybe Quinn, but likely Malik. He's like, we, why we risk it? <laughs> yeah, I watched the film on these guys. We could beat them with Arch in there. We could beat them with Malik in there. We'd be able to save Young Red in there if we need to. They've lost four out of five, so it's yeah. not to take them lightly. But I mean, they haven't won but one game in the last six weeks. So, hey, we'll come back. When we do, Rod will take us more you know, deep dive behind the burnt orange curtain. Uh, as we said, off the record, there's maybe an emerging power. Our couple out of Hollywood you got to got to know about hey. and the other off the record topics including the country music awards last night oh my gosh uh, all of it coming it's uh, rolling on on a Thursday the weekend starts right now on hook 'em up Aaron Hogan Rod Baber Austin Texas Sports the Horn Pro and college football weekend kicks off tonight. The pro game is ugh. Bears and Panthers, a two-win team and a one-win team in mid-November. Uh, college game, you do Virginia at Louisville. That won't be much of a game, but Louisville may be the team representing that side of the ACC and the ACC championship. You're looking for someone to derail Florida State. Louisville will play tonight. They're 8-1, and one, Rod, at number 11 in the country right now. I don't know if they're going to do it. Well, they could, but Florida State looks really, they really impressive. Uh, but but, uh, but one of the surprise stories of the ACC. Yep. Also, Louisiana plays Southern Miss tonight in uh, Fun Belt action. Uh, we've also got the NFL game this evening, and now really a great weekend of college football on tap, as they, they all have been. But this one particularly good with Penn State, Michigan. Uh, also, that Ole Miss, Georgia game is one to look for. That's going to be a, a, a really good game, I think. Uh, do you think Ole Miss can run with, with the the I think you push them a little the bit. The Bulldogs. They can push them a little bit. You got to be. I, I think you got to be able to throw the ball against them. Um, Missouri 
you know, they they look decent. They can throw the ball. You can throw the ball a little bit. I think you can make you can make some plays, and I think Ole Miss can chunk it a little bit. It, it would probably be a little more likely if it were at, you know at Oxford, but it's yeah. in, it's at Sanford Stadium on I the campus say, of Georgia. I still think Georgia wins, though. I don't think they get upset. Yeah, but they're coming off their win over A and M. I did, you know, I watched a little, little good good bit of that Missouri game. Missouri game, a heck of a game. Missouri's yeah. got a good wide receiving core, man. That is a nice looking wide receiver. Yeah, Eli Drinkwitz has built a pretty yeah. pretty strong team there. That was yeah. their second loss of the year. They beat K State, of course, early in the year. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, college football weekend. Looking forward to it. How about this? Is there any more Michigan thing? You know, Michigan's fighting this uh, deal, and you know, good for them. But <laughs> this is this is perfect timing because I'm sure he, he he intended to do this before this all began. But a a, uh, a U- University of Michigan law professor named Daniel Crane, Rod, okay, is uh, gone to the Yale Journal of Regulation. <laughs> to, here we go. Yeah, the <laughs> academics involved now. To argue and has written a full summary of why the NCAA bylaws prohibiting advanced scouting violate antitrust laws. Ooh, <laughs> damn. I love it. Oh, are we reaching a little bit here, Michigan? Hey, that's what you, you, you got the lawyers around for, man. Well, I would suggest that I uh, don't think anything different would be happening if this were happening here, right? If there was some type of hey. scandal, uh, the UT law oh, professors you know, they would, would be going to work. It. Oh, yeah. This would be story, all hands on deck. This story has transcended from the front page to the, from the sports page to the front page. So, yeah, um, that, that guy's trying to – hey, he's trying to get his name put on some important document too. <laughs> and, you know, I haven't read his argument yet, but I will at some point. It may be right. I mean, why can't we scout games? But, uh, you know, that's not even the debate because the rules that uh, yes. Michigan allegedly broke – uh, were on the books. And, and, you yeah. can like them or not like them, they're but they're antiqu- there. They're antiquated, and are, you can argue stupid because you actually have headset communication anyway, but the rules are the rules. Well, again, it, it always comes back to, to the Astros conversation we have. It's in the parallels. But, you know, for the Michigan folks saying well, it doesn't help, well, then why were they doing it? Why were they spending thousands of dollars to orchestrate it? No, it if it didn't it help, helps. why? Of course it helps. Then why do it? And why was he on the sideline next to the coach? Yes. To help interpret and decipher That's that, That's such a weak – I mean, the, it, it's very similar to the Astros because I argued my own Astro friends. When, don't say everyone's doing it. That's not a good argument. That's that's a that's a twelve year old argument. Well, he did it too. That's that's not yeah. An argument. Yeah, which was true. And, and then it doesn't. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't really help. Well, no, then, right. then why were you doing it? That doesn't make any. It's like arguing with one of your kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, come on now. Yeah. Uh, okay. You, you, there was a reason this was happening. Uh, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, so don't don't go there. Uh, you know, argue. That, you know, whatever you want to argue, but don't say everyone it was help. doing it and it didn't help us. And I, think that's that's basically been their two arguments right. so far. <laughs> and, oh, and also the argument that Jim Harbaugh had no knowledge. That also doesn't hold water. Of course he did. Uh, okay. Yeah. His personality, you know, he's a control, control freak. Guy. He's yes. a control freak. So. All right. Let's get to, and then we'll see today. There's some reporting at ESPN that maybe the uh, Big Ten's punishment comes today. That uh, would be it. That would, uh, that would, that would, that, you know what? I would support that just because they need to make a move. Michigan's ready for it. Michigan will have their lawyers file some oh, yeah. brief or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but, the I, there's no, if they come out with a you know, rest of the regular season suspension or one-game suspension this weekend, he'll be coaching that game. One game, one game, though. I would, I, would, I would encourage him to take that. They could, if I, they suspend you for just one game, take it maybe. Yeah. It's one game. Yeah, we'll see what that is. That would right. be – that's the something could come down today. But, yeah. uh, all right, let's get to the behind the burn orange curtain. We just talked to Landry Burdine to get behind the purple curtain, find out about TCU. Let's get behind the Longhorn curtain. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk about the uh, TCU Horn Frogs a little bit. Uh, talking about that that offense first of all, the TCU Horn Frogs. It, 
the offense actually is a lot more impressive than the record of the TCU Horn Frogs would indicate. And we've been talking about this. My my man Matt Butler on Longhorn Blitz brought this up, and I thought it was a very astute point. Uh, he said, if you look at all the advanced metrics, all the advanced analytics, TCU is actually considered to be one of, if not the best, five-loss team in the country. Sounds like a ridiculous thing to say, right? Uh, the best five-loss team in the country. But they are a really good-looking five-loss team analytically, right? Um, FEI, they're number 39, 29th-ranked offense in the FEI. Uh, defense is 44th. ESPN, FPI, they're 29th. ESP, SP Plus, um, you go look at their SP Plus ranking, they're really high. They're uh, 29th offense, uh, defense, they're 40th in the SP plus so I mean they they are considered to be one of the better five loss teams out there just like I said analytically when you're looking at it and I think one of the reasons why is because of their offense their offense actually is explosive it's just it's um it's explosive but it's also an irresponsible careless offense because they give away the football a lot right talked about this they have the last in the big 12 in turnover margin they got 15 giveaways on the season their young quarterback josh hoover he's a i think he's a really nice talent he's got a really strong arm he's got a quick release uh, but he has five interceptions in his last three starts and they, as a team, even prior to Hoover starting, they were still giving away the football way too often. And if you're Texas going into this game, you should be able to force some turnovers, have some takeaways, um, because they're going to throw it a lot. And you know they're going to throw it a lot. They threw it the last three games. You go look at the totals, 52, 43, and 58 times. So they're going to throw it a lot versus Texas. And if they throw it that much, predictable pass situations, then you should know – all right, we got to get pressure on this young quarterback. We just talked to Landry Burdine. He was a great interview, and he even said, yeah, the young man doesn't handle pressure really well. Um, and he said he reminded him of a young Andy Dalton who didn't handle pressure really well. Well, it takes reps to handle pressure well. You know who else doesn't handle pressure well? Malik. <laughs> Malik Murphy doesn't handle pressure well. What does he do? Well, he throws off his back foot when he sees pressure. Uh, he doesn't step up in the pocket when he sees pressure. Oftentimes, he's panicked, and he speeds up his internal clock, and he makes bad decisions when he sees pressure. Huh, you know what happens to all quarterbacks? Even veteran quarterbacks, especially young ones. So, uh, you know, I agree with E. Take that note from uh, Landry, who's watched a lot of football, knows a lot of football um, as the color guy for TCU. Put a ton of pressure on this young quarterback, Josh Hoover. Like I said, I do like his skill set, quick release, and they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands quickly. And this goes to what a lot of the Longhorn fans have talked about, about being more aggressive in the technique for the, the Texas defensive backs. And I wonder if they will decide to be a little bit more aggressive because if – you know, you're, if you're Kendall Browse, you got to be thinking Texas is the best defensive front that we face so far. <laughs> Texas probably can apply pressure uh, better than any of the teams that we've seen so far. And this young quarterback doesn't respond well to pressure. We don't have the bodies up front to be able to block Texas, especially in the interior. You better get the ball out of his hands quick. Quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. So two things when you're talking about a quick game offense, pass first, quick game offense like TCU, you're going to want to get you want to make sure you're, you're getting pressure with the blitz, but to accompany the blitz, like we've talked about, you want to make sure your front and your pressure packages line up and make sense or coordinated, if you will, with your coverages. They should be sitting on some routes early on because the ball is going to be coming out quick or 
playing bump and run in press coverage a little bit more. I've seen them do it in the K-State game, play bump and run on the field side and the boundary side. Now that Ryan Watts is back, I think they trust that some of the young guys can be able to do it. I've seen Gavin Holmes do it. I've seen Malik Muhammad do it. I've seen Terrence Brooks do it. Terrence Brooks do it, excuse me, play bump and run on the field side. You may see some of that, and we know Jade Barron in the slot can be very aggressive too. So that, to me, will be a big a variable, big factor in the game. Can Texas stop the quick game? Because the ball's got to come out quick. If he holds on to the ball and Texas applies pressure to him, he's just going to turn the football over and make bad decisions. So that's going to be, I think, a big part of it. And the second part of it, not only should the DBs be ready for the ball to come out quick, not you know sitting on routes, but at least being patient uh, with, the, with the early quick game, making sure they're reading the three-step drop. But the big defensive lineman for Texas, we talked about Devondre Sweat, talked about Alfred Collins, Vernon Brighton. This is one of Ethan Burke is a long rangey athlete. You may not get home. Um, my man Jerry talked about this on the on Texas football broadcast, but you got to get your hands up. If you ain't getting home, get your hands up. This is one of them games. If you can't get home, get your hands up and keep your hands high because a young quarterback, you can really congest and clog up them passing windows just by one of them big Alfred Collins mitts in the way. Yep. Or Ethan Burke waving his arms, you know what I mean? So I think that is big in this game. If you see D-Lyman hands high, that means they've been taught well. They're not going to get home, so get your hands high. Clog up those passing windows. I love what you said there. Seize the pressure. And that, you know, Malik's in the same boat. And, you know, when a quarterback becomes, you know, fully comfortable, he senses the pressure. He doesn't see the pressure. If yep. he sees the pressure, it means he's looking at it. Yeah, exactly. Which means he's not looking down the field. And that's, exactly. you know, that's the, the toughest thing to teach. And uh, we hear Sark talking about it with Malik. We don't need you to see the pressure. We got the pocket created, sense the pressure. And that's what great quarterbacks do. But that's a process. And you've got to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And so until they do, make them see the pressure. Come right at them. Uh, and I agree with you about getting your hands up. Because tip, tip balls can turn into big picks. And this is a oh, team that, that's good. listening yeah. to Landry, Ron, it feels like a team, if you get on them early, they're not going to be a lot of fight uh, just because they're in, a, they're in a tailspin right now. They've lost four or five. Uh, I, I was interested in his thoughts on the culture. He doesn't sound like the culture's real good there. They've got a bunch of transfers that have come in that don't bleed the program, right? Yep. The Longhorn fans have yep. seen that a little bit here in the last decade or so when the, when the locker room's not great. Because, yep. as he said, the locker room was great last year. Veterans. And all these guys that bled so purple yep. that are now gone. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's also a warning to all coaches. I mean, you know, don't just go stock the portal. And that's why Sark has been, and I think rightfully, recruiting really well at the high school level and bringing these guys in, but then, then picking spots in the transfer portal for an A.D. Mitchell or a Jalen Catalan or a uh, Gavin Holmes, the, the punter yeah. Ryan Sandborn. Yeah. Uh, and they just come in and they're immersed in the culture. Yeah, because you just talked about it, right? They got some pretty high-profile Oh, they went after three transfers big... in, right? Trey, Trey Sanders, JoJo World, they're pretty big time. Tommy guys. Brockermeyer, yeah, exactly. And it hasn't really meshed well, and those guys aren't even seeing the field as much as everybody previously thought. It's a great scene from uh, what's the movie with Kurt Russell? Was it Miracle? Miracle? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Mir- what was it about, about the about the, the hockey? Uh, the hockey? Yeah, greatest, yeah. greatest uh, upset ever. Or whatever. Yes, uh, and I forgot the name, I forgot the name of the actual movie. It may be that. It's it called Miracle. Else. Is it called Miracle? Called Miracle, yeah. Great scene in it where uh, Kurt Russell, <laughs> he's talking to one of his assistant coaches. He gives him the, the roster, the projected roster of guys he wants for the national team. And the assistant coach says, Coach, man, you're missing all the best guys. And he says, Coach, I ain't looking for the best guys. I'm looking for the right guys. And it's a great scene. It's a great lesson for all the coaches out there. The right guys. Our kind of guy. OKG. You got it. And that's what they had last season. That's what Sark's been trending toward. The, the right guys for him. You want to get the right guys with, you know, the best guys, but the right kind of guys for your program. One other nugget before we move on here, talking about TCU, though. We brought this up earlier. Guys, they throw the football very efficiently in between the 20s. 
Now, they are a really bad red zone offense, as Landry said. They actually have worse red zone offense. He brought this up than Texas. So in the red zone, they're really bad. And they give away the football, as I said. They're last in the Big 12 in turnover margin. And they're last in uh, – they're actually second to last in giveaways. they got 15 giveaways so far this season, too. But they have 116 10-plus yard pass plays on the season. If you don't think that's a lot, let me give you perspective on that, a little context. That's third most in the FBS, folks. Only Washington – with Michael Penix Jr. and USC, all right, with the uh, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. And by the way, Michael Penix Jr. is, I think, currently in the lead. He is the front runner for the Heisman because he's got the, high, the best Heisman odds right now. So you talk about those types of quarterbacks, right, have been able to create a ton of explosive plays in the passing game, 10-plus yard plays. Right behind those two is TCU. So yeah. it's Washington, USC, then TCU in 10-plus yard pass plays right ahead of Georgia and Oregon. If you look at 10-plus yard plays, period, it's TCU fourth most in the country behind USC, Washington, and Oregon, but ahead of Georgia. They move the rock. They just shoot themselves in the foot too often in the red zone when it counts most in critical moments. And great stuff right there behind the BOC. Appreciate Landry Bird on good hour chalk full of Texas TCU talk. Coming back, we'll go off the record. Some stories uh, you have probably not heard because Rod and I dig on them. Uh, we get them to you, though, because they're going to be talked about, I promise you. Coming back with off the record. DD Mega Doo I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get a break my head cold. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And <laughs> thing sucks. I'll tell you what doesn't suck is uh, National Fried Chicken Sandwich Day. Oh, which nice. Which is today. Fried Ty, you need to know this. They're, uh, Popeyes, Burger King, Wingstop, and KFC all have deals to celebrate National Fried Chicken Day. Sandwich Beautiful. Day. Fried Chicken Sandwich Day. Come on, Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A doesn't need a sale. They don't need it. They closed on Sundays, and they still are easily the most profitable fast food joint in America. Popeyes, you get a free second sandwich and you order a combo meal. Burger got a free Royal Crispy something or other if you spend five bucks. But none of them beating Shake Shack. No. They got the best promotion going. Yeah, they got the uh, right the, the do, chicken do, dance. Do the chicken dance in an NFL game this weekend, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets a freebie. If, if anybody scores a touchdown and does a chicken dance, they, they can hook up, they'll hook up America. America going to get free chicken sandwich. Free chicken sandwich. Wow. That's, hey, that's a bold move, Shake Shack. Hey, Rod, and this off the record, look at this on ESPN right now. This is a really dumb show that they do. Uh, they're doing picks for the NFL games, and they take a big mallet, and they smash a little mini helmet to make their picks of who's yeah. going to win the Sunday games. But they're wearing eye- eyewear because I guess somebody could go get poked in the eye, so that's a safety precaution. But he can't have – yeah, man. Somebody will get sued. Be a lawsuit out there. Mike, Mike Greenberg there with the goggles on. Come on, man. The National Highway Safety Traffic Administration has uh, put out an edict telling people not to put pretty rhinestones on their steering wheel, bedazzle their steering wheels. Why? Because they found instances where people, they become dislodged in a crash and they end up in somebody's eye. Oh, damn. That actually does make <laughs> sense now. That's actually, I didn't think about that. I was going to say, this is going to be stupid. Nope, that makes sense. So don't do it. Don't do it. Like you need to be told, don't bedazzle your steering wheel. There are other reasons you should not bedazzle your steering wheel, but that is also a very valid one. Don't bedazzle or bejazzle (laughs) your steering wheel. I got some other reasons you shouldn't bedazzle your steering wheel, but that's right up there at the top. 
yeah. like that. Uh, okay, how about this? Uh, just and my man Ty. I know he's not gonna like this story, but once again, some more uh, proof that the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift <gasps> relationship is real. Apparently, Travis Kelsey is reportedly flying to Argentina during this bye week. Oh, because he was in Germany. Yeah, he's gonna visit his baby. He was in Germany, yeah, so fly to Argentina during the bye week to go visit his, his that sweetheart. That doesn't sound like a marketing ploy. Mm-hmm. Chiefs yeah, don't knows. play until week. The Chiefs don't play until week 11 against the Eagles following their game in Germany versus the Dolphins. So Kelsey has some free time. He's Misses his, 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 his boo. Spinning boo. with his boo. Yeah, his boo thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's Arch- happening. Ty, if that's a marketing for you, he doesn't have to do all that. That's a long flight from Germany to Argentina back to the United States. For real, got trust me. Yeah, and when you and when when, when if somebody's it's a, if hooked, it's, if it's a ploy and, he, and and she's out of town, hey, it's time to get it in. <laughs> that's for right, real. exactly. He, no, he's not getting it in. He's he's trying to get out there, trying to go see his, his baby. Uh, how about this? Another Travis Kelsey. He was named sexiest athlete by People Magazine. Did you see that? T. Kelsey was. Yeah, the uh, finalists were. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Shohei Otani. And remember, uh, actually, his brother, Jason Kelsey, was also on that list of uh, people considered to be a finalist for Sexiest Man Alive. See? There you go. See, Kelsey's man, they're trending. Lewis Hamilton's a little old guy. And yeah, that mean, you can't dude. be sexy as a little guy. Oh, the F1. Dude, but you right? can't fit in those cars if you're not a little guy. That's you true. can't be. You, you can, if you're a, a larger person, you can't be a racer. It's like car the bull riders. You just can't do it. Oh, no. the bull riders are smaller, too. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah. Uh, all right, speaking of power couples, I'm going to put this one out there, Rob. You'll be talking about this down the road, but there is early smoke Uh-oh. of a budding Kevin Costner, Reese Witherspoon oh, relationship. Oh, come on, man. Yeah? America can't handle that. Uh, America, are you ready for that one? He's 68. She's 47. Both uh, ended marriages this year. Damn. So both are heartbroken a little bit. Wow. And the coronal, according to uh, a website... Kevin says uh, they've been talking about working together, and they they started talking projects they would like to do together, and apparently that has hit a spark, and now they call and text and get together all the time now, almost a daily occurrence. Uh-oh. So are we talking about this friendship here, or are we Here's talking a about quote. Here's a ro- quote from a friend, of, a quote from someone near Costner. He didn't count on finding her absolutely charming as hell. Mm-mm. Uh-oh, he's smitten. He's smitten. Now he just got crushed by his. I think he was married to his, his wife for like nineteen or twenty hey, years. Best way to get over an old woman or an ex is to get under a new woman. Kevin right. Costner, mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon. That'd be a power couple. That'd be what, uh, what Kevin's done with the uh, Yellowstone thing. Oh, dude, and, that they would they would shoot to like the top of the celebrity yes, power sir. couple list. Yes, sir. Easily. So that's so how they do a project together, some kind of miniseries or show or movie. Uh, it would definitely be a Western of some kind, too. Yeah. Uh, I like her. <laughs> you uh, thumbs up on Re- Re- Reese Witherspoon. Oh, I like her yeah. as an actor. Oh, who doesn't great. like Reese Witherspoon? I like both of them. Yeah, she doesn't have a lot not to like. She's yeah. very, very talented. No does good stuff. Kevin Costner's Kevin Costner. He's like, wow. Uh, She's in a morning show. I watched that on. That Apple is good. That is good. good. Yeah. All right. Good stuff and off the record. Keep that one under your hat. We're coming back. Hook him up with Ian Rodby.